0: Welcome, come one, come all to the hashtag racing family show. Here we are, waiting to get going. We're going to have some friends here joining in shortly. Cannot wait, absolutely cannot wait to get everybody in. All of our friends here going to send uh, a little come on in and welcome to our friend Mario Andretti going to wait for our co-host Chris Wheeler. There we go. Chris Wheeler is here. Who could ask for more? Big and sexy. Recent birthday boy. And I see our dear friend Mario Andretti has joined in. Connor Daly, you are here. We are so happy. Mario, all you have to do is accept our little invitation to speak there, and then you will be live, my friend. Chris Wheeler, here we are on a Monday evening, getting ready to get rolling with our hashtag Racing Family Show, brought to us by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Why don't you
1: say hello? Well, hello, Marshall, and thank you for that smooth introduction. It sure is a beautiful Monday here. Um, I'm pumped. I don't know about you. I've had the typical Mondays today, and it has not been the most enjoyable of days. However, however, I've been looking forward to this one all day long. And um, in case anybody's curious, Marshall Pruitt 100% set the entire cast list tonight. So for the excitement that is upcoming here on our Hashtag Racing Family Show, all credit due to the man that is the upper left-hand corner, Mr. Marshall Pruitt. Connor Daly, you're in the group. on Unmute that thing. How you doing there, Mr. Mr. America? All is well, man. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the invite. Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. Mario, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? We hear you beautifully.
0: Perfect. Thanks for having My me on. Friend. You're, you're perfect, racer. Thank you for joining us. I know you are busy as always, so we have you for maybe 10 or 15 minutes at most. Connor, uh, we'll dive in here with you in just a moment. We're also expecting our friends, Bob Varsha, Of calling many of your races, Mario. Yours as well, Connor, and also his longtime Formula One co-host, Mr. David Hobbs, also a a friend and former rival, Mario. So we're hoping they will join us. I see, Miss. I see Hobo here. I'm going to invite him to speak. So I figure we'll kick off, Mario. Knowing your uh, somewhat limited availability, we're going to get to Texas IndyCar. We're going to get to some of that stuff here shortly. I was hoping to start Mario talking about the loss of one of the greatest drivers to ever live, one of the greatest all-rounders like yourself, like Habo. That being Vic Elford, what comes to mind about losing Quick Vic here on Sunday, at the age of eighty-six?
2: Well, it's always a sad, sad situation, uh, no matter how you potentially prepare for it. But uh, you know, I, I've uh, I've had some recent contact with him. Uh, you know over over you know over time and uh and this was a really quite a surprise quite honestly i didn't know that he was ill to that extent but uh, but again it's always sad news especially uh someone that um i remember so well i was just thinking today that i will share uh with the listeners uh, the experience that i had which was not a very positive one at the uh, nürburgring in 1969 <laughs> Uh, with the, I was, uh, driving that Lotus, the four wheel drive Lotus 63 at the, at the start of the, well, the, during the first lap, uh, just, uh, as you go over the fluke where, you know, they call the airport where you just fly all four wheels off the ground. When my car landed, uh, the left front wheel just sheared right off and, uh, and I just pulled over the side. And the wheel was just, uh, going, you know, uh, aimlessly in the middle of the track. And, um, and Beltoise was somewhat behind me and he missed it. And, but coming over the rise, uh, Vic Helfort obviously had no choice and he just went right over and the wheel cut catapulted him in the air and he flipped, he flipped into the woods. And so obviously I, Got out of the car as quickly as I could and uh, ran over there, and the car was upside down and it was full throttle. It was fuel, and and so obviously he was in trouble, and and he was uh, I could hear some screaming because uh, the the windshield was uh, on his arm, cutting his arm, and uh, this was a McLaren and had some uh, year old McLaren, but they had some side pods and i got underneath the side pod you know to try to alleviate the weight i did not know what in the world i could do you know to flip the car over but uh what's interesting is that uh, you know soon uh a couple of uh, fans came over and we turned the car over on its wheels and uh, and you know he, he had some injuries and so forth but uh um uh, fast forward uh, uh about uh a year later, maybe less than that, uh, we got some fan mail and, uh, and, and for me to, to autograph and it was, uh, this picture of me trying to hold the car up, which means these two fans, the stop took the picture and then they came over to help <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> and I, <laughs> and I, uh. I showed that to Vic one time. I mean, I told him actually I didn't have a picture, but uh, I I show I told Vic that I says, you know what, they were really in a rush to come in and help us. You know, but, uh, you know out of this uh, almost tragedy, there was you know there was something with some humor to it. But um, that was a a, a shining moment for me to remember. But poor old Vic, you know, but, um, you know, we, we, Races, we raced in race, the same race many, many times, uh, you know, the long distance, especially. Uh, so, it's, I have great, great, solid memories of this great guy. Good man.
0: Yeah, and for sure, Mario. And I guess the other thing I'd love to hear about, and we'll ask Pablo about this in just a moment, but. Your career, I always uphold you and you've been upheld by so many as truly one of the world's greatest all-round drivers. The Victory, the Daytona 500, Indy 500, Formula One World Champion, Le Mans class winner, all the things we know. Dirt, just throw you anywhere and you could perform. Was there any sense of appreciation for you with Vic that, like you... He was a bit of a rare unicorn, right? Many of your friends, from Gurney to Brabham to McLaren, a lot of you played in a lot of different disciplines. Some of you, though, seem to really have a knack for almost anything. Did you look at Vic as as maybe a little bit in that same kind of rare air uh, of being able to do such things in any event, any
3: type of car?
2: But of course, you know, you always draw inspiration from others and uh, you see what uh, your colleagues uh, are doing uh, how motivated they are by you know going to you know going to different challenges and and you know that our sport is is fantastic that has uh, so many uh, disciplines at at the highest level to offer and and what i found like you know themselves, you know, tremendous satisfaction out of, uh, just being curious and having the opportunity to, to, to taste, you know, what it's out, what's like, uh, out of your specialty. And, uh, and again, that's, uh, that's one of one part of my career that, uh, uh always comes back and I always feel that, uh, I've been so, so blessed to have had those opportunity.
0: Mr. Varsha,
2: I don't know if we have lost Habbo or if the two of you are
0: uh, joining up on one phone, but uh, say hello, uh, unmute yourself and say hello to your friend Mario. And what might we uh, talk about next in terms of remembering the great quick Vic?
4: (laughs) Well, we're both here. Um, I'm ashamed to admit the technology may be more than a couple of guys in our age group can handle. But uh, if you can hear me now, you'll be able to hear David When he speaks, we're sitting in a car outside a restaurant. and If there were any doubt about our courage, our wives are inside waiting for us. But that's That's okay. We can hear you fine, (laughs) brother. We (laughs) We hear you fine. Hey, we're out here talking racing. Um, David, why don't you say hi to the folks?
5: Well, hi, everybody. But, of course, as usual, (laughs) Mario has managed to upstage everybody (laughs) with an absolutely hair-raising tale of racing at the Nürburgring. Well, I raced a lot of times, but uh, fortunately, I never had anything hair racing happen. But that—that that sounds to me like an absolutely truly horrendous event. Um, must have scared the crap out of everybody. But um, and of course, Vic was just—I uh, knew Vic peripherally. He was obviously another Englishman, and um, he kind of, uh, like me, uh, gradually uh, moved over to the States to do most of our racing. But I mean, Vic's early career was just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, winning the Monte Carlo rally one week and then the Daytona 24 hour, the next, I think that was the first time anybody had ever had had done that. But as Mario said, you know, you do get inspiration from what other people do. And of course, um, one of the people who I've always admired the most is Mario, you know, in, all these racing circles, as always, is who is the greatest of all time, and it's obviously impossible to compare you know I mean Fangio was unbelievable in his day, but would and Lewis Hamilton is unbelievable in his day, but would Lewis want to have sat in a car with his right elbow about uh, two inches away from a red-hot exhaust pipe, fifty gallons of gas right behind his head going in on a churn, no belts. No fireproof overalls, big wheel, and, you know, three, three three-and-a-half-hour race. Um, But I guess would would, um, Fangio have liked all this computerized stuff on cars as there is today? But uh, when you talk about variety, I don't think anybody beats Mario. Because, you know, one week he's racing on the dirt in an offset front-engine car, uh, wheel-to-wheel with a bunch of other extremely brave individuals, say, on the dirt in ducoin And the next week, he's driving a highly, highly aerodynamic car at Spa. Um, and that, to me, is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing kind of uh, um, example of uh, <laughs> you know divergent racing. I mean, you could not get two more different disciplines and Mario had them all mastered, of course, including winning the Daytona 500, much to the chagrin of Ford, who wanted their boy, uh, Lorenzo, uh, Freddy Lorenzo, Freddy Lorenzo, to, to win it. Another awesome
1: tribute there from, from David. And, you know, obviously, Mario, like we said, we'll, we don't have a lot of time with you here today. And one of the hot topics um, over the last few days has been you know colton getting the opportunity to put a test program together with zach brown and McLaren of formula one um you've not been shy vocally about you know obviously the andretti program and formula one's future you know what are your takeaways and immediate thoughts you know on colton getting
2: that opportunity well this is totally awesome and um i i, I tell you i i think uh zach brown is showing a lot of class to to try to help uh uh the, Colton to get familiarized properly uh, with a Formula One car uh, I know that um, uh, when the uh, the Saber situation was potentially coming to fruition he spent uh, about a week uh, in Switzerland and he was uh, he was on a simulator uh, at, you know the, the team simulator and uh, I think uh, in the third day or so he uh, on a you know, track he had never driven. He was quicker than uh, Kimi and and Jovinazzi. Uh, you know, so it shows that uh, you know Colton really has can grasp things pretty quickly. And uh, and he yeah, the thing that also is very very important that uh, he really 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 wants that opportunity. And and that that's huge. I mean, it's easy to be totally satisfied uh, with having a career here in the United States, uh, like no other, uh, country on the planet that has that to offer to any professional racing driver, you know, between, uh, you know, IndyCar, NASCAR, IMSA, and so on and so forth. But, uh, he, he is one of the few that I know has that real, uh, love and, uh, and, and, and passion to, uh, to, to, to do a, for, a formula one stint. And, um uh, and I, I uh, again, uh, I like to, if uh, Michael is successful, uh, you know, and just uh, uh, being accepted as a, a new team owner over there, obviously uh, Colton will have a spot. But meanwhile, it'd be so important to get a leg up on uh, on some, uh, you know, some familiarization. So uh, that was huge. Uh, that was a huge move that, uh, that uh, I was so happy, happy, happy to uh, to to see that happening.
0: Mario, can I go? Can we go ahead and break some news? Because when I spoke to your son Michael uh, while we were preparing all the breaking news about Colton, I said so. Andretti Global gets accepted by the FIA on the grid in 2024. We hope, obviously, Colton will be one of the drivers. Can we go ahead and confirm your dad is going to be the other driver? To which he said. He absolutely would if if that seat was (laughs) open. So can we break that news, Mario? You're coming back to get another Formula One World Championship in 2024. And if not, at least I want to give folks a chance to hope that that could happen.
2: Yeah, what the heck? Go ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My friend, thank you so much for taking some time, Mario. Again, you're always so, so gracious with your time and appreciate you uh, coming here. Sadly, we're talking about the loss of yet another great in Vic Elford, but We'll speak some more about him. Also, uh, we've got Joey, who is uh, Connor Daly's uh, co-host for the... I always get the the name wrong, Connor. Is it the hashtag Street Meat Show? I always get that one wrong. But uh, we got Max Pappas in here uh, joining us. we got a bunch of friends, Peter Leung, Matt Archulette, etc. Tim Durham, producer of the Off Track with uh, Hinchcliffe and Rossi show. Just uh, Drew... Drew Fusil is here. We're going to send you an invite to speak when you want. This is a man who's lived on the international space station. So why is he mingling with uh, mere mortals? But (laughs) got a lot of fun folks who've come in and Mario once again, thank you, sir. We'll look forward to having you back soon here in the hashtag racing family show.
2: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share this moment.
0: Thank you, sir. Take
2: care Mario. You know, if I could weigh in here, Marshall, um,
4: It's great having Mario on because David and I, many years ago, went to a Skip Barber Young Driver Assessment Weekend at Virginia International Raceway, VIR. And Colton was there. He was 13 years old at the time. And he was out there mixing it up with guys who were four, five, six years older, maybe had more experience than he did, but he was obviously quick. Um, And I think looking back now, I see a lot of Mario in Colton. I mean, yeah, you want to go to Formula One, you want to win the world championship, you want to win races. But I think Colton, like Mario, just went mainly because he wanted to test himself at the highest possible level available to anybody. And that's why I think Colton um, has a shot if he can get into the right equipment. We all know that's what you need in any level of the motorsports world. Um, And it's it's I think it's terribly exciting. I will also say that on more than one occasion, I've noticed a certain bias against young American drivers who, you know, in, in the minds of some people, have it too easy. There's too much opportunity. They, they don't race hard enough at the, the big tracks against the young talent from Europe. But I think Colton is, um, is going to turn some heads, let me put it that way. I also and, uh, think,
0: Bob, and, and maybe Connor can can share some thoughts here. We're going to, Connor, we're going to get you to coach us up and get ready for the uh, Expel 375 this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. But young Connor Daly, you too were a, uh, a younger man. You're still young, but a younger man on the European open wheel, having come up the American open wheel, been very successful in Indy Lights. But there was a point in time where we and you were hoping that something in F1 might come on your radar. How does the news land that, one of your friends and rivals, Colton Herta, is going to get to go at least play Formula One testing. At least does that tickle any interests or bring any back any bad memories back?
6: Oh well, Bob has a few great points there. That's for sure. Uh, I experienced experienced a bit of that, but also I just have to say that Mario told an incredible story about. Wheels flying off his car and dude's flipping into a forest and he's digging them out of a race car. And we're just worried about having two lanes in Texas this weekend. I mean, I, I, I was like, what a different era. I, I mean, I would love to have a two lane racetrack at Texas, but I'm glad I'm not going to jump into a forest to dig out Colton Herta if he has a flip. So mm. I, uh, I really respect everyone from that era. Honestly, it's, inc- it's incredible, but, but yeah, the European thing, I mean, obviously Colton would go anywhere and uh, in any series and be competitive. Uh, There's no doubt about it, but there's for sure, for sure a bias against us over there. I mean, Rossi can tell you, I mean, I literally witnessed it and, and Rossi and I both won races over there. It's not like we were going over there and hoping to score points and maybe, you know, do something with it. But like, we actually fought for championships. So like that, you know, that was, that was really personally rewarding. But again, I think Colton, for sure. I remember I remember having a conversation with him after Long Beach last year because I took him to Vegas for his 21st birthday. And I I was like, we're sitting there looking out over the city, and I was like, you know what? It would be pretty cool if you got to go to Formula One. He's like, yeah, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> and It was just one of those kind of moments where I was like, I really hope this does happen for this kid because he's a, he's a good dude and obviously one of the most talented, I think, young drivers – without a doubt at this point, but it it is hard. Like, I mean, it is very difficult to get into formula one as an American. And obviously even as an American team, we're seeing, you know, like Michael's got, you know, this incredible interest in, you know, getting this team going, which is absolutely awesome. And, you know, maybe that is the key to getting an American, uh, you know, American driver in formula one successfully. Cause the Haas team certainly, doesn't seem to be concerned about American drivers in the slightest. So, uh, I. Oh well, wait, I Connor hope. Daly,
0: that's <laughs> America's Formula One team. I read that on a press release. It must be true.
6: Yeah, I'm not buying that T-shirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we have your uh, your co-host Joey here uh, unmute himself, and we just tend to bounce around on the show a little bit. We're obviously going to come back, speak more about Colton, speak about Texas, uh, about. Vic Alfred, some more, but Joey, tell us about this podcast. And I think I jokingly referred to it as Street Meet. Uh, I think it's uh, Speed Street, is it? Tell me Speed. about Speed Street
7: with Connor Daly and uh, myself, uh, Marshall. Great to talk to you. I, we haven't gotten to meet in person, I don't think. But, um, it's great to talk to you, man. And, 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 uh, I know that you're, you're a legend in this game. So thanks for having me. Don't start that nonsense. You'll be disappointed when you meet me. Trust me, everybody
1: (laughs) is. But (laughs) no, no, Marshall, 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 you're wrong. Joey met me last year. I did. So now he's only going to elevate when he actually gets to meet you.
0: Here we go. Here we go. Um, I love your energy, Joey, because as someone who's not new to IndyCar, Indy 500, but just in terms of coming into the space as a media person, someone of your own who's now covering it and bringing some cool flavors to it, tell me about doing this with Connor, because he's pretty good at word talking. Uh, (laughs) It's hard to get in front of Connor in a conversation. I don't say that in a bad way. Uh, he's darn good at what he does. Tell me about the mix that you have and the chemistry you've built, because what you're doing with your podcast is really good stuff for IndyCar.
7: Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, You know, Connor is a... He is quite the gentleman, quite the way with words. He he is a a handsome Irish-American, and so we get the... The Irish and the Italians together, you know, with with him and with me and and we join forces and you know what, we just have fun and we do our best to, you know, there's a lot of great, great people, great dudes in this series, uh, as you know, but we're trying to I'm trying to do my small part. I know Connor's doing his thing with you know the, the hands on the wheel, but then he's also um, you know a really great media personality. I'd love to see that face on the tube here coming up this year, next year when he's not racing an Indy car, or you know he's got a long future ahead of him with that. Uh, but honestly, he's just a fellow Indy guy, and we've known each other for quite a bit now. And uh, we were like, "Hey man, let's let's have some fun. Let's try to make some people laugh. Let's try to introduce people to." Uh, the beauty that is motorsport, and I'm a I'm a very much newcomer as compared to somebody like yourself, as compared to a lot of people in this space. Connor definitely, uh, Chris. I know the Morals are in here. Tim Durham, like you said, Matt Archuleta, all these people. Uh, but gosh, what a community! I mean, I just absolutely fell in love with uh, the you know being at the tracks, being the race weekends. Not only, of course, at, uh, you know uh, the world's greatest, uh, race car racetrack at, uh, off 16th street and Georgetown. Right. But, uh, just, just every place that I've been, every race that I've gone to, all the drivers are, are so fun and down to earth and, and like to just, you know, um, and uh, have a good time with it. They don't take themselves too seriously when it comes to media stuff or some, so, so for somebody like myself, that's a beautiful thing. And, um, yeah, man, I just, I, I, I truly, truly did fall in love with, uh, the sport, the series, the drivers, the scene, I mean, everything there is to offer. So, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't be happier to be here now. I mean, you know, Connor, Hinch, uh, Rossi, when he's, you know, waking up on the right side of the bed every now and then um, every, now and then. T- every yes. now and then Tim new garden, Scotty McLaughlin. I mean, just great dudes who I consider friends now and, uh, and talk to a, a whole heck of a lot. So, Really, at the end of the day, Speed Street and, and, and what I do, and I know what Connor does when he's not you know, putting in the hours at, at the simulator and training like we always see. Uh, we're just trying to get more eyeballs, more ears, more everything on um, not only IndyCar, but just motorsport in general. So that's what we're all about. And uh, we're recording tomorrow and we can't
0: wait. I love it, and don't get mad if I keep calling it uh, street meet, because I'm just gonna that stuck in my brain for some reason.
7: That's all right. I mean, we're doing the rhyming kind of thing, and you know, we are. We're, we're meeting in the streets. Uh, we like to say that Speed Street is. We're, we're trying to form a whole neighborhood. You know, a I'm whole, spelling whole that M E A T by the way, right? Not M E E T. So I apologize.
0: I should. That yeah, works too. That, that works yeah. too. <laughs> Sorry, Max Pappas, a big hello to you. We're going to bring you in here in just a moment, brother. But I wanted to ask Bob and, and David as well two supreme veterans of broadcast, of all forms of media. What are your thoughts about whether it's a a Joey and a Connor? We do have a lot of drivers that whether it's a podcast, YouTube shows used to be back in the day where truly it was just broadcast professionals like yourselves allowed to be in front of a screen or to speak into microphones. Tell me about your thoughts of seeing how much, The average racing paddock, its drivers, its media members uh, are engaging in so many new and different ways these days. Does it conflict with your uh, professional sensibilities, or are you a fan of it?
5: No,
4: I don't think it's a conflict. I should answer that since I'm the professional and I've been carrying David all these years. But (laughs) Go ahead, yes. (laughs) Well,
5: the thing is that, you know, obviously the thing that's done more for Formula One in this country than anything was the Netflix drive to survive. I mean, that just absolutely just transformed viewership over here. Now, is it very, you know, accurate? I mean, you know, Max Verstappen doesn't want to be involved in it at all because he said it's basically said it's fake news. But I think that um, to really help Formula One over here, we do need an American driver. But, it's not just any driver and it's not just any team it has to be you know we just had a comment well the harsh team is not interested in american drivers well if i was an american driver i wouldn't be particularly interested in the harsh team either you've got to drive one of the creme de la creme teams and that is very difficult to do and of course the first hurdle that you've got to get over is this blooming incredible business of getting the super license which you know, you win the Indy 500 or you win a couple of Indy Car races, you win the Indy Championship, you can't get a super license. I mean, it's absolutely, completely crazy. And um, obviously, it is, I'd love to see Michael um, form his team, but already people like Toto wolf are throwing roadblocks in the way, saying, well, oh, I don't know about $200 million. He should be putting a billion dollars in because we don't want to see our our earnings are diluted by having another another team in there. So the whole thing is so horrendously political. But I think people like Colton Herter, uh, Connor Daly, I mean, he went over there and he did that GP3. And I mean, you know, it's all a bit of a nightmare um, because when you win it, you know, the money you've got to spend is just absolutely ridiculous to get into GP2. And they kind of... You know, don't give the American drivers much of a much of a break anyway. So um, obviously, all the media attention you can put, none of it, none of it is going to matter if you don't perform, and that's where it all really matters. You've got to perform on the track, and then Bob, as a true professional, will tell the world all about it. <laughs> well, Marshall, we're, if we're going to stay
4: married to our wives, we're going to have to cut out and get to dinner, but. I'll just say in terms of media involvement, the more the merrier. I mean, what's the point of me telling the world what Connor Daly thinks? Connor can tell them with all these new technologies that are available to us. And I I look forward to that. I do a uh, Formula One show on race Sundays with uh, actually we do two shows pre and post uh, at Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. We're working on a midweek show. So it looks like we're on the upswing again in terms of media enthusiasm for motorsports. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, I didn't want to go away without mentioning that you know, I had the opportunity to interview Vic Elford on a number of occasions. Um, his record speaks for itself. Uh, it should be known that Vic was a strong personality, and that cuts both ways, both good and bad. Uh, not the best like guy in the pit lane, but there may be a lot of jealousy involved in that because he was so supremely talented. But, you know, it, it, best of all, he brought more color to the, uh, you know, to the sport, to the pit lane, getting responses to things. He had sort of a Nicky Lauda attitude. Are you going to ask me a serious question or are we just screwing around here? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and there's probably some symmetry in the fact that we're mourning Vic while we're celebrating Guys like uh, Colton Herda, you know, who who bring another generation of talent and, and adventure and and the thrills and memories to the sport. So, um, you know, we we all move on. Remember the the legends and look forward to creating new ones.
1: Well, Bob and uh, David, also you guys got to get to dinner, and we want to thank you guys both for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, Bob, oftentimes, as most people on our show know, I love baseball. And um I think a lot about how broadcasters in that world over the years have still tell stories. And you know, Vin Scully is the greatest voice of of stick and ball sports. But when it comes to painting a picture, suit tones, and precision, Mr. Varsha, you sir, carry the torch. So thank you for that and thank you guys both for joining us. Thank That's my us. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Enjoy. So, Connor, we're going to slide it over here real quick, uh, briefly, on a scale of 1 to 10. I know you've had plenty of time in the simulator to prepare for this. 1 to 10, how pumped are you that we get to go to Texas and we get to go oval racing? <laughs> well, I first of all, those two guys that just
6: spoke, I mean, talk about absolute legends. Great, great people, uh, friends of our family, obviously, for a long time, and David has such great points about the entire form. I mean, I could talk about that for days, but I won't, but, uh, it's, (laughs) he's got such great points and I'm glad he was saying it, but Texas, I can't wait. Um, love Texas. Uh, obviously some of us got to test there over the last couple weeks. Um, I love oval racing. I, I wish, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, there's been a lot of questions this week about what, you know, what the race might look like. And, um, you know, I, I I wish I had an answer for that. I mean, we go into every race thinking it's going to be a great race. So, uh, you know, we, we want to put on the best show that we can and we want to try to be successful. But, um, but, yeah, it's it's obviously it's a tough, you know, it's a tough track right now. The way it's changed over the years and the way it's, um, you know, the way the cars have changed as well. But, uh, you know, IndyCar has done a great job and, 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 and at least, you know, w- working with us, asking questions, seeing what's going on, you know, adding downforce here and there, whatever it is um you know it's definitely a work in progress it's not it's not it's not like there's a a plus b equals now we're three lanes at texas you know what i mean like it's 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 just it's just not like that anymore but we're i think we're gonna do the best we can and i mean our car was fast like i'm i'm very happy with 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 how the test went last week and um yeah i mean it's 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 gonna be really interesting though because you know, twenty-six cars at Texas is like a pretty solid amount. Actually, maybe even twenty-seven. I don't know. There's Ed's Ed's out there now. So there's yep, gonna Ed be a, twenty-seven. Yep. I mean, it's it's gonna be a packed house. So that that alone is is gonna make for you know, you add think of what the air does when you add five cars. I mean, the air becomes even more turbulent and more interesting, and it's it's It changes the element of, you know, traffic and and pit strategy and uh, and and all kinds of things. And so I I think it's I mean, I don't I don't know. I have a lot of questions, but I actually feel quite confident heading in there. Uh, I just do hope that we
0: can widen the
6: track out a little
0: bit as we get through the weekend. That was something that I wrote about today, Connor, actually caught up with IndyCar president Jay Fry. I forget what day. End of last week. Uh, And he mentioned that, yeah, they have three potential options to try and widen, as you mentioned, make this more than just the single low lane that we can use. So uh, the one thing that of the three options that he mentioned, the one that Jay felt most confident they should be able to pull off is adding about 30 minutes to the end of, uh, I would assume it would be the first practice session, but to truly just have the field of 27 work up to speed slowly and try and put some Firestone rubber into that second groove in turns one and two and three and four. And again, not go firing in there first lap at 224 miles an hour, but just something gradual that hopefully can at least give us an opportunity possibly to have matched or close to matched grip levels on the bottom lane and then the second lane. So we know Will Power has been asking for that forever. Uh, but that's the hope that we'll see uh, gets uh, developed there. We should also say Max Pappas, unmute
3: yourself, brother, and welcome, uh, welcome to the hashtag Racing Family Show. <laughs> Marshall, uh, great, to, great to hear you guys. You know when I w- actually I came back from the gym with my son Matteo and I opened Twitter and I saw you guys and I saw the name Mario Andretti, I know Bob Barsha, you, Hobbs, so. I was you don't like, have to yeah. say me. That was a lie. I, it's
0: a beautiful lie, and I appreciate that. But
3: no, me, at I, least, I at least he lied for, me. for you, Marshall. I, 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 you I, see it, up, I, I actually mentioned it in the correct order: Bob Varsha, Mario Andretti, okay. and you were like P six, right? Wasn't? it I'm kidding. Your son. Uh, there might be a,
0: an old, you know, uh, turkey sandwich on the ground that comes before me, but
3: no. So no, you,
0: no, no. You, no. you brother, you're accustomed to being up high. Looking down uh, on the racetrack, you in race control and such, Max, it's been a little while since we've had 27 cars, if I remember correctly, at Texas. What does that do for someone like you who's trying to keep an eye, make sure everyone's driving fairly, everyone's upholding standards? How does that work for you you when we have a few more cars
3: out there maybe bringing the excitement up? I mean, Marshall. I can't really, you know, comment, uh, you know, about what I do in race control. That's part of what I do, but I can tell you that uh, just me as a race car driver, I loved everything I heard in the show. Like, you know, I think everything, you know, is uh, regarding uh, Texas is gonna be just another. It's, just, it's gonna be, you know, a very, very, very good show. Uh, I I love everything I heard about, uh, you know, trying to get uh, the the second groove, uh, you know, worked in, and uh, uh, I mean. Uh, we're going fast there and uh, things happen you know, happen quick so i think that uh, what i heard from connor is excitement about it It, it talks uh, it talks a bunch of it so and uh, and as well i really really like to hear you know what mario said about the uh, the american talent uh, in f1 um you know obviously you know i've been here for many years and uh, it's uh <sighs> I, I never really understood why the only one guy that I remember being competitive was actually uh, Michael when he was there with Ayrton in a, in McLaren and uh, I mean there are a bunch of great American racers and uh, and it would be awesome just to show the world that uh, that uh, you know the level of uh, American talent in general.
0: You know Max one of the things that I love about your story and we've discussed yeah. this many many times done features about it but you were young, obvious, very skilled European driver, uh, made some great success here in the U.S. But first, it was coming up through the uh, the ladder there, Formula One being where you landed before you came to America uh, into the CART IndyCar series to actually fill in for one of my great heroes who was lost, uh, yes. the American Jeff Krosnoff. So. I think of your journey and coming over as a European unknown to us, but instantly showed your speed, your character, also with a heavy heart, knowing that you were not just taking a normal opportunity, but after we lost, uh, after we lost Jeff, tell folks about that. Because we speak about what would it be like for a young American today to go to Europe and be accepted? What was it like a you know, young European coming over here, being accepted, stepping into kind of a
3: heartbreaking seat? I mean, I, I just give you a little story. You know, I remember when I raced go-kart and I was about uh, 15, 16, uh, seeing this uh, lonely guy by himself at the World Championship in Parma. And this guy was never done less than uh, Scott Pruitt. He tried to come over to run the World Championship karting level. Um, you know, I don't remember exactly how he did it, but I was uh, actually, I kept wondering myself, say, you know why there are no no more American people coming over here, and actually I understood why. Uh, I mean, in Europe, uh, you know, the people spend tremendous amount of money testing, preparing themselves. Uh, uh, so it's almost like uh, um, that there is this. Uh, it's kind of tough to do it uh, just on pure talent and showing up and making stuff happen, while. I believe in America there is still this opportunity where you can do things based on on your pure talent. Look at Colton, you know, what he did. You know, he... I mean, he just proved himself that he belonged to the sport and uh, he became a superstar very quickly. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it didn't take, uh, you know, millions and millions. And, uh, and uh, I see how tough it is just uh, looking at, uh, you know... If you follow this week, you know the my nephew Pietro Filippaldi, You know he was is testing for us, Is trying to get an opportunity. Uh, I mean, it it's uh, it, it. I would say that America it's still the land of opportunity, and uh, uh, I would definitely. Mm, Advise any of the young guys uh, to still come over here because there, are, as Mario Andretti said, you know there, there is NASCAR IndyCar, the car, dirt racing. Uh, I mean, what happened with me that I left F1 and I came over and I drove sports car, uh, and that gave me that chance to drive uh, for Toyota in IndyCar. It's it's a it's a true American story, you know. It's something that would have never happened anywhere else any, anywhere else than here.
1: So. We're gonna transition here softly, Max. But don't go anywhere, Uh, Drew Fustel. Welcome to the show. I don't know. I'm pretty confident you're not some galaxy far, far away right now. And you're actually back on the Earth. But welcome. We got Um,
3: astronauts
0: on the hashtag and Family show, y'all. I'm so happy. I
3: heard about the guy, and I can't wait. You know, to you know that that that, you know, I can't wait to hear
8: from him.
9: Yeah. Well. Hey. Thanks, everybody. I'll just I'll just start out by giving kudos to my wife, Indy, who's also listening uh, today. Uh, I met her as Indy. I thought of her as Indy 500. I think it was just appropriate that we got together and got married, but she turned me on to the show tonight when I got home from work. And uh, also, I want to say hi to Connor and, uh, and Tim and uh, Mario, if he's still listening. I think he dropped off, but... Listen, uh, I I'm honored that you guys thought to call on me and let me say hi. Um, I don't really have business talking on this forum except to say that uh, you know I'm a big fan, and I hope that the images from space from 2018 were something that sort of drew people together, both space fans and racing fans. And uh, Indian are excited to watch uh, you know the season of racing this year again, and hope to. Uh, I'd like to see Indy cars back at Coda. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I was lucky enough to give. Uh, 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 Colton, his first trophy at the inaugural race. so When he won that at Coda a few years back, it was pretty pretty special moment for me. And uh, anyways, we're just happy to be here and listen and appreciate everything everybody's doing to promote racing and uh, motorsports.
0: Connor, I know you got to have some questions for Drew. And when yep. can we get your ticket punched uh, daily in space? Granted, most of us have been wanting to send your old man to space for a long time, but that's just <laughs> to get him to shut up. But uh, I know you got to have some questions for Drew. Oh,
6: a thousand percent. I mean, I think Drew is one of the most incredible people that I've met in this uh, in this life. Uh, Drew, let's let's be honest. In the next 30 to 40 years, if I even make it that long on this earth, how likely is it for me to to go to space? Because I really want to go to space. I'm not going to lie. I think I don't know if it's on Elon's jets. I don't know if I have to make a billion dollars somehow. But what are the likelihoods of me potentially getting to go to space?
9: Well, Connor, I would say uh, either if you deplete your uh, bank account and pension or uh, with a couple more wins, you should easily be able to afford to go to space with uh, you know some of the commercial companies that are coming online that we're seeing uh, great strides in their ability to send folks to space. It's, it's not free. Um, and it's not necessarily orbital space or long, long duration space, but it's certainly space and the, and the views like nothing else. So I'd say your chances are pretty good. Just got to hang in there a little longer.
0: Drew, is there some sort of like mullets in space experiment we could sign him up for? Like he might be able to get paid.
9: You know, who knows what the future holds for uh, humans and operations in space? You know, our our entire goal with uh, human spaceflight is to establish the ability to, uh, you know, utilize resources on other orbiting bodies and and have a greater presence of humans in space. And I think the more access we create, the more opportunities we'll, we'll uh, realize and uh, discover. And so, you know, as I like to say in the business, the sky is not the limit.
6: I love that. What planet will be the first one to offer real estate, commercial real estate available? Is it a moon? Is it Mars? I'm just honestly genuinely curious. Like, when are we getting there
0: and when are we putting up condos? And why is willpower the first person to buy real
9: estate? Yeah, I've got something I can sell you right now, Connor. Um, oh. Is it an <laughs> <a> NFT? A- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's real land out there somewhere, but, uh, yeah, who, hard to say, you know, honestly, I think, uh, in our lifetime, we're going to see humans on the surface of the moon for long-term stays and, uh, and probably we'll see humans walking on the surface of Mars, uh, in the not too distant, future, which is pretty incredible. But anyways, we're getting off track. We're here to talk about racing. Oh I'm no, just... I love it. No, you're no <laughs> you're
0: I'm, I'm thrilled now. I'm excited. Dude. What I want to know, Drew, is if you can share, uh, if this is top secret information, you know, please don't get the NSA over here uh, with a drone strike on me. But so, Connor is accustomed to, let's talk about Texas where we're going back to this weekend. So, Connor is used to being thrown around like he's in a zillion mile an hour blender in his, uh, in, you're going to have to mention all the sponsors on the car for me, Connor. I apologize. But in his uh, Ed Carpenter Racing Chevy, we know the G Forces coming into Turn 1 in particular, but Turn 3 as well. All the drivers talk about, like, you can feel your internal organs kind of moving over and mash, wanting to mash up against the right side of the car. So they're dealing with a couple of Gs. Can you share some of the, the numbers, if you know them, of what you experienced, whether it's vertical Gs on on takeoff and whatnot? Because while you might not be driving a race car, an IndyCar like Connor, got to believe there's been a lot of science and data tracking of what your body goes through
9: yeah that's a great question There's a, somewhat of a misperception you know we're I, I don't know if you could say we're kind of lightweights as well we only experience about three to four and a half g's on liftoff and then coming home uh we can experience up to about uh, on a nominal re-entry it's kind of five six g's um, the difference is those g loads are through your chest uh, which would be like the g loads you feel on just pure acceleration. And the other difference is they're sustained. So on launch, we sustained those three to four Gs uh, for about six minutes. And then on reentry, it's probably closer to 10. And that's kind of a crappy feeling. Uh, it's not necessarily fun. Um, it's enjoyable. We call it type two fun. It's fun to talk about after you've done it. It's not so much fun while you're doing it. But um, the, the the maximum G-loads are a little bit lower than most people realize. So, Drew, um, the funniest thing you said
1: so far is when you mentioned Connor having a pension, but in all, Great reality, point, Chris. in all reality, and you don't have to answer, but I feel like somebody did. When you were up there in the space station and you're showing your excitement, how many of these IndyCar teams that have too many engineers on payroll tried to slide into your DMs and ask you for some atmospheric pressure information on race weekends so they can try and get up because nobody else had, the, had that data? Wheeler, I'm also thinking you're missing the biggest point here to ask
0: Drew. You're known as one of the best spotters in IndyCar. Drew's the
1: greatest spotter in the galaxy. He That's can see everything at all times. He might be putting you out of work. Drew, actually, I'm looking for a second spotter for turn three for the month of May. I think you qualify.
9: <laughs> well, if I, if I were in space, I'd give it a try. You know, some of those pictures I took were pretty good. They were tough to get, but with the the, the best pictures I got for spotting was, was Detroit, um, in 2018. I don't know, there was something about the weather and the atmosphere that day, but I could see cars in the image, in the images I took, I could see cars on the track, which is pretty unusual because, uh, we're 250 miles away and the earth is moving beneath us, but we're traveling at 17,500 miles an hour. So things happen pretty quickly when you're passing over a track, but, uh, that was, that was probably the best chance I ever had at being a spotter from space. Well, I'll tell you what. If you can make it to any racetrack this year, let me know. Preferably an oval because
1: they're way cooler to spot for. And if they give you any grief when I take you to the spotter stand for the race, we'll just tell them that Max and Race Control said it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Drew, actually,
3: I have a question for you. Uh, when you were up there, did you ever f- feel that you wanted to stay up there? for longer not coming back kind of like uh or, or you miss earth
9: uh that's a great question max so what you know, when i when i answer that question i typically say something like when astronauts are in space they want to be on earth and when they're on earth they want to be in space because you know there's no beauty like what we see of the vision of earth from space and the the magical feelings of floating and, and uh, zero gravity. But at the same time, when you're looking down on the planet and you realize that everybody you love, everything, you know, all the dirt you can smell and grass, you can see and trees and lakes and all the rivers are down there on the planet. All 7 billion people. That's where you suddenly want to be. So it's tough. It's tough to be there and uh, not want to go home.
3: Yeah, I I hear you because you know, I, I kind of feel that if I would have a choice, you know, maybe Connor can tell you too. the place where I always felt uh, the most in peace was sitting in my race car and, uh, and doing what I love to do, you know? And that's why I really wanted to ask you that because I kind of feel that, uh, you, you, I saw the passion that you have for, for the, for what you do that. I don't like to call it a job. I think it's more like a, you know, it's, it's a pure passion and, uh, you know it's kind of like uh I feel that it relates a lot to what we do you know you if if I could be sitting in my race car 24/7 <laughs> I would
0: Yeah for sure no doubt Connor, I,
6: I, I I also Connor, I know you have another question. No no I just thought uh, I was watching video today from the Texas test last week and I was like oh cool we're entering turn 1 at 229 And then, uh, and then Drew said that they were doing seventeen thousand miles an hour, and I said, "Well, I'm less impressed with what we were doing there."
3: Hey, Connor, I have a question for you. Tell us a little bit more how we felt, uh, uh, you know, go out of the pit first two for first two laps at Texas uh, after not driving an oval for a while. You know, just uh, I'm like, do you did it feel super fast? Did it feel, you know, easy? Tell me more as a race car driver.
6: Yeah. Well, I mean, right now at Texas um, with, you know, the things that have been added to the car, obviously downforce wise, uh, I mean, we're back to being flat. So, you know, it's, it's full throttle um, all the way around. And, you know, we were, and this is honestly, oddly enough, it's the first time that in, in many years since I've been there where we're actually working on like qualifying trim stuff, because, a lot of the park from a races, we just qualify at max downforce because we're going to race at max downforce. So now, I mean, I, I, it's probably been since 2017 since I've actually like trimmed out at Texas to try, you know, for a qualifying sim. Um, so that, you know, and, and Texas like trimming out at Texas is tough. Like Indy, you know what to expect. And like you, obviously we have more horsepower, but like Texas, you know, just to get flat nowadays, I think it's like, all right, that's, you know, that was a great achievement. It's like, all right, well now we're going to, you know, peel the rear wing off and, uh, you know, take a bunch of those nice downforce pieces off. So that was, that was interesting, but it's definitely, I mean, it, it, Texas is fast Uh, being flat out there as well. We were talking G forces. I mean, the, the G's at Texas, I think this year, obviously I think that race is still one of the physically, physically most difficult races of the year. And the fact that it's race two of the season as well is going to be tough on the driver's. Um, but that's, you know, that's what makes it so fun. I think when you put on new tires, full of fuel, uh, and try to go flat right out of the pits, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge. So I, I'm very curious to see how the track evolves and how, you know, obviously it's going to be quite an early in the day race. And, um, you know, that's going to be interesting, but Texas is, it's an electric feeling in an Indy car. When you like, when you're out there and you're flat and you're, hanging on for dear life and you're well renus's blood vessels were popping (laughs) i I don't know what was going on there but we're pulling a lot of g's and it's your face
3: feels like it's melting which is uh honestly a pretty satisfying experience so after after you know your first run did you feel a little dizzy you know after the first 10 laps coming in back in the pit or it was okay the reason i'm asking you i want to i want to yeah how did you
6: feel Dizzy for sure. I think uh, the first few laps, the first few runs that we do there, there was like a little break as like a 15 minute break for the track to do something. And so we all got out okay. of the car after the first few runs and yeah, you have to, you know, you have to watch yourself a little bit. You don't want to pull a Scott McLaughlin jumping off his car, trying to do a three sixty and fall on your back. That'd
3: be even worse, even worse at Texas. Yeah. yeah that's oh, no, also- we want those memes. We want those memes daily. So hook us up there. Yeah, the, the reason why I ask you is because I remember Texas was the only oval where I actually felt uh, the combined G that squished you down on the bottom of the seat and the squished you on the side of the seat, and was the only place where it really felt uh, uh, like uh, that you were actually almost not driving a race car. It felt like uh, almost like being in a plane. And after I remember after my first run there, it was. Uh, I wasn't really sure what, pit lane, what a pit lane entrance was. <laughs> it took yeah. a while. So that's good. I'm, I'm glad that uh, it's not that different. Nowadays. Well, I so, remember
0: uh, last year on the 20th anniversary of CART's ill-fated attempt to uh, to run at Texas Motor Speedway. And that did a three-part feature on that. And, uh, I know Nicholas Manassian, who was driving for Chip Ganassi at the time, uh, very new to oval racing. Uh, he, uh, he had one of the great quotes about the G's were so severe. He said it felt like his face was being ripped out of the uh, the front of his helmet. I mean, it's just uh, just insane what we had back then. Max, go ahead and mute yourself, by the way, when you're not speaking. Uh, but granted, we do hear your, your, your wife, I think, uh, giving some great instructions to your son. Um, yeah, go, girl. You're also, you're also replacing Chris Wheeler as our co-host, Pappas, but that, that's not a surprise. We love you. Uh, I know that we've had Tim Durham here, by the way just muted, uh, just almost handcuffed and gagged. We ha- it, we're an hour into the show, and we haven't had <laughs> super producer Tim. So, Tim, why don't you
8: unmute? And, I mean, uh, you and Shannon, I mean, take us wherever we're going, pals. This is the longest I've gone without speaking. It's weird. I'm actually, okay, I have a bone Tim? to pick. Uh, I've gotten
0: so many thank yous from Hinch and Rossi about that over the last hour, by the way. Don't worry, <laughs> yeah, Tim. Sure. I
8: feel the same way. I had a I had a bone to pick actually with Joey because I could hear him, but uh, when Joey came on my podcast, it was through a tin can in what I assume was the year 1986. So I'm glad you uh, you figured out the audio for Marshall. Well, I'm still I I guess I did it to myself here. I haven't gotten the second invite back,
7: so uh, I was waiting to redeem myself. But apparently, it was a one and done for me there. After I uh, was down in Southern Indiana, uh, the boonies of Southern Indiana, and without any uh, reception for you, so. Maybe next time I'll be able to, to, to please you there, Tim. I don't
8: know. <laughs> you, you always please me, Joey. No, I don't think I needed to talk. You had Mario Andretti. You got Drew in here. By the way, hi, Indy, if you're still listening. I mean, what am I going to add to a conversation with the commander of the International Space Station and Mario Andretti? I, I'll just stay muted for that kind of stuff, you know? How about managing difficult
0: personalities? Right, we could learn something there. I mean, not Hinch. Yeah, I mean, Hinch is actually a total princess, possibly the worst person to deal with I've ever come across. Don't buy the whole Canadian syrupy nice uh, act. But uh, yeah, I Rossi don't know I as, like as well.
8: Ray, but uh, but yeah, Hinch is a serial killer. Um, he's a sociopath. Just uh, just Donald Roar knows. Hinch
0: Middle name is, is Dexter. Yeah. Uh, for for those who don't know, yes, uh, James Dexter Hinchcliffe. Yes, many many deaths uh, recorded by him, but. Also, uh, and Indira, Indy, great to see you here, uh, and you're welcome to admit yourself whenever you like. But Tim, no joke. Tell us about trying to produce weekly content, one with a very warm and accommodating Canadian. The other, he, I, I do have to claim him as a fellow Californian. Uh, man, I never know how dark the skies are going to be in Alexander Rossi's world. Um, kidding aside, how do you pull off a weekly podcast
8: with one member who's always game and the other? I'm guessing you
0: have to check the temperature on.
8: I mean, Alex will always do it, he just might not be that excited about it. Uh, it's it's definitely on his mood. Now, the hardest thing for anything is just finding time with everybody's schedules because we always have like a a set time every week. We're going to record at 1.30 Eastern on Tuesdays and it just uh, almost never happens that way. We om- we always have to make adjustments and things like that. So it's 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 not that bad. Uh Alex Alex is cuddly when you get to know him, right Connor? Uh yeah, we'll say that. I mean, sure, he seems like a nice guy
0: sometimes. Oh, I love the dead air there. That was just beautiful. <laughs> uh Mr. Wheeler,
1: where are we going? We haven't well, really heard from Shannon either, so I, I mean, well, we're going to that. We're gonna, we're gonna get to all of this. I promise. A couple things: one, Tim, if you want to keep your your people on schedule, put a tweet out that tells the world what time it's going to happen, and that's what Marshall does for me. It's the only way I make it on time. Um, and Joey, you know, I really, I really want, I really want to dig deep in your bag of tricks here. And I I want for the world on our hashtag racing family space that doesn't know who you are and has not seen your amazing content, what's the best IndyCar current or past driver
7: impersonation you've got in your bag of tricks? Man, you know what? I am still in the working process. Uh, It's still uh, coming together on that front. NASCAR, there's a few more. Uh, no, not distinct, but, but just, just easier for my dialect to be able to get down. Um, IndyCar though, I am still searching. So I mean, if if I'm sorry to disappoint, I'm sorry to disappoint, but if anybody has, uh, you know, a few recommendations or somebody I think would be a good one to try, then, uh, yeah, throw them my way. I'd love to. Howdy Holmes.
0: Next time we speak, I want you to master
7: a Howdy Holmes impersonation. Howdy Holmes locked in. You got it. I'll also, drop it like on you on uh, the grid or something when I see you, hopefully for the first time, Marshall. I would like a Bobby Unzer. Okay. If you can give me a, an Uncle Bobby. Uncle Bobby and uh what was the first one? Howdy Holmes. Howdy Holmes and Uncle Bobby. Locked Jeffy in. Mix. Man of you. Jeffy Mix. Snack mix.
0: Howdy Holmes. Indy car driver. About two foot three. Uh Dude. but yeah, that guy was
1: burly and did his deal.
0: All right, you got it.
1: Shannon, unmute that mic. It's yours. Everybody else is now muted, but you.
10: Oh, no. That's a whole lot of pressure, Wheeler. <laughs> I, uh, hi. How is everybody? I forgot we were doing this tonight, so I turned in kind of late. Um, I am looking forward to Texas. I unfortunately won't be in Texas this time. I'll be in Long Beach, but I will not be in Texas. So um, anything that happens at Pit Lane is not my responsibility this week we can all blame michael for all of that um let's see so did i miss or did we talk about are we gonna get that extra 30 minutes or whatever to lay rubber down at texas
0: still waiting to hear Uh, i don't know when that decision will be made but i would hope i'm leaning towards before sunday uh (laughs) i'm hoping i'm sure it'll be soon and again when i spoke with jay fry he was genuinely motivated to try and make something happen seen a lot of kind of shitty responses to, uh, not the story itself, but uh, kind of a, what the hell, IndyCar, you wait until the week of the race to do this, and it's like, this is when they're going to have all 27 cars there. So you're going to do get a better job with the full field trying to help put down rubber on that second lane than five cars at a test last week. Plus, it's a private test. Hey, guys, we want you to waste your valuable test time Kind of put down rubber for us a week and a half before the race. Like those things are never going to happen. But bottom line, would expect to hear uh, the formal plan on that here ASAP.
1: You know, I'm anxious to hear what Connor has to say on this because I saw him unmute. However, my part of my brain funnels me back to say the minute that IndyCar goes to the team managers and says, hey guys, here's this idea. For 30 minutes, we're going to have all of you go up here in this line and do this. It's going to be a quick turnaround where they're all going to have a copy of some sort of premeditated document that says, okay, when we do this and we waste a car, who's paying for it? Because we don't want to do it.
10: That was my question. Like, are they going to get an extra set of tires for this? What happens if something happens? Because it's still Texas on the PJ one. Like y'all can be as super careful as you want to be, but like,
6: nothing is guaranteed that something doesn't happen. I think to follow up on that. Yeah. It's (laughs) I I watched, I watched willpower crash right behind me at the test uh, purely because he got a little bit of, you know, just got too close up behind me and got like halfway up into that second lane and lost control. So like, I, I think we'd have to get not only a set of tires, but I mean, I love the idea like, and I'll do it, but, with how, with how, like, I don't think people realize obviously when, 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 like when you're watching, like these cars are, are really, really on the edge. Like they are because we're all trying to be better than the other guy next to us or in front of us or whoever. And it's, it's just, it's not like turn one and two is just not like the Texas of old and even three and four, like three and four is, you know, it's, it's flat all day, even on old tires. And I would say the one encouraging thing I saw in three and four running in like a four or five group pack is like you could attempt to set up a pass into one and two a little bit better. Cars were kind of running a little bit up, like not necessarily lane two, but like one and a half or one and three quarters. And like Scott McLaughlin looked really, really good, able to get alongside of another car into one and two. It's just the issue is the grip from lane one to lane two is so vastly different. It's like water. So like, that's, that's the only, that's the only problem. Like I I would love to see everyone go up there and like run lane two. I just, I, I, I would, if there was a unifying agreement between all the team owners on that, I would be blown away. But I mean, maybe that, but honestly, we don't even know if that'll work to be fair. So I'm down to try it because I think IndyCar has been super cool and helping us out, like trying to do whatever's necessary. Um, but, yeah, I, I just can tell you that the the grip level from lane one, one and a half to lane two and up is just, I mean, I, and I have no idea why. There's probably some crazy science that I don't understand, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's it's
0: vastly different. Connor, can you share for folks what it is like being on the, the bottom lane, the, the, quote, safe lane, just has that Firestone rubber on it. Can you describe for folks the feeling inside the car, maybe talking more turn one and two, um, but of creeping up and getting right side tires on to the, the black PJ1 or the remnants of the PJ1 and what happens to the car, what you're feeling. Because, again, this isn't bravery. You're as ballsy a driver as we've ever seen in IndyCar. That's not it. There's physics and gravity and, and friction, and there's a lot of things at play that, from a technical standpoint, create problems beyond your bravery or skill. Can you tell folks what's happening, what, what you're feeling, when you creep up into that little bit?
6: Well, when you're entering a corner at 229 miles an hour and you're half a foot off, uh, I mean, th- I mean that is a disaster. So it's, it's something that, again, you – in a race scenario, let's say you're running eight and you think, all right, I've got a little bit of a run. I'm going to peak up a little bit higher in one and two to try to generate a run. Like, cause the run that you have to make a pass starts exiting two and that then has to be carried all through three and four. And then you hope to be able to complete it going into one. Um, so if you, you know, make the commitment to carry a little bit more speed in or try to get some clean air and that doesn't go right. And you lose because as soon as you get half a lane up and into the the dirtiness in one and two, you lose four spots and then you spend the next 180 laps trying to get one of those people back. You know what I mean? So it's a very difficult um, equation, but, it, it, you know, the cars are fast and we've got a lot of grip down low and, and the tires, the tires wear and they wear at a rate to where it you know, if you have a little bit better of a car than the person in front or behind you, you might be able to take advantage of that in a big way. Because again, I think in the race, you're only going to be flat if it's not if it's not dirty air. And it, it'll probably be 10, 15, maybe 20 laps that you could stay flat. Like, let's say if you're the leader. I'm not sure. But in traffic, you're going to be downshifting twice. I mean, you're going to be, you know, I was watching and we would be, doing laps of, you know, 220 average, catching people. And then all of a sudden you go from your minimum speed in one and two at 216 to 201. So it's like, it's a huge drop when you get into the, the dirty air. And, you know, if, if there's half a lane of grip to use, and hopefully we can get that, then it does make overtaking a lot more possible. Um, but a lot of like a lot of the passes that you do see sometimes happen at Texas a lot of us are just kind of hoping that the car is going to stick. <laughs> I mean, that's part of, that's part of the game. And uh, it's what kind of makes the race a little bit
0: wild. Connor, I'd lo- love to get your thoughts as well. You've already spoken about how we're going to have 27 cars on Saturday, Sunday afternoon, in the expel 375 at Texas motor speedway within the 27. We have a decent number of rookies. If we look at, say, Kyle Kirkwood, yes, it'll be his IndyCar Oval debut, but obviously on the road to Indy, uh, he's been on a number of ovals, so not a totally foreign experience for him. There's some
9: old guy I've heard about from NASCAR who might be
0: showing up, James Johnson or something like that. We'll see how he does, but a little bit of kidding aside, though, there are a decent number of rookies. Christian Lundgaard, first oval. Callum Eilock, first oval. Devlin De Francesco, not his first oval, but he doesn't have a ton of oval experience coming up uh, from the road to Indy. Same with David Malukas. How does a veteran like yourself, who only wants to attack, go to the front, win, drink champagne, fire the little six shooters and whatnot, how do you tune your mind to the fact that there's going to be a decent number of drivers out there, honestly, Trying to survive, trying to figure out what's going on and, and try not to get run over. That has to factor into how you approach the weight the race in some way, right?
6: Yeah, I mean, those guys to tell you what, they better buckle in because it's gonna be an interesting ride. I mean, uh, Kyle Kirkwood, I think, is obviously an incredibly talented. We got a lot of really good rookies this year for sure. Uh, and old Jimbo Johnson too. He's he's gonna know what's going on. Um and, and I, I, I I, think the most interesting thing about this race, though, now I would prefer to be a rookie this year rather than last year. Uh, obviously, the more downforce is always helpful at a place, you know, like Texas, uh, especially just for uh, comfort. But, you know, we're a stint at Texas. You know, you're going to try to go as long as possible, but no matter what, you're going to start developing bad vibrations in the tires towards the end of the stint. You're going to be you're going to be asking for. Every every piece of adjustment you can get, whether it's wing, tire pressure, anything, new tires, you need it. You're going to be complaining for thirty laps because they're vibrating. But that's kind of what you know. That's kind of what Texas is. And you know, Ed, Ed my boss, Ed, he's a obviously a wizard, and uh, you know, past winner at Texas, and and having him on the stand for our tests, which again I think was super important for us to do because you mentioned twenty seven cars. Who's gonna be getting any quality sims in that 27 car practice? Absolutely nobody. Um, so I everyone's gonna hate everyone by the end of that practice session, trying to find clear track at some point. Um, but but yeah, it's it's Ed sent me an email and and, and said, hey man, like I think we I think we look pretty good, but we also gotta remember, like again, we haven't been teammates at Texas yet. So I don't know Ed's, you know, thoughts on Texas before, but he had some really interesting points about how, you know, it it, it is a Mindset race. Very, very important to stay in the fight um until later on in the race because he's exactly right. Like when I finished right behind him in 2019, you know, he was fifth. I was sixth. I mean, that at the beginning of that race, you know, we were nowhere for a little while. I remember Ed pushing up in front of me, having a tough first stint. And and then by the end of the race, you know, we're like trying to fight for the top five, top three almost. So there's a lot of things that can happen there and the track changes so drastically. Um, you just gotta stay in the fight. And it is hard because it's physically challenging. You're gonna be sweating everything in your body out. Um, but yeah, for those rookies, when they get to the end, they'll they'll be dizzy. and uh, yeah, I,
1: I hope uh, I hope they all make it through for the experience. <laughs> so we are gonna keep we're gonna keep coming back to Texas, but uh, Indy, you're here, and your husband has spoken. now you're gonna speak. So go ahead and unmute yourself, but I'm going to start this off with a question. What's it like to be on planet Earth with your husband on the International Space Station? Did he ever, like, send a message like, hey, did the guys forget to come cut the grass this week? Like, have you not been paying attention to anything on the outside? What's that like?
10: Um, great question. Um, it's It wasn't a question about was the mo- uh, lawn mode, was it? Did the car parts come? Because he was quite proud of himself for probably being the first person to order car parts from space.
1: That's mega. Yes! Don't what
0: carparts.com? Uh did you use one of those trashy commercials that we see? Rockauto dot com. What did you use, Drew? I gotta know.
10: Unfortunately, he can't say right now. <laughs>
0: He's probably got some sort of advertising deal
1: coming. I can't wait, but
10: I can only hope.
1: (laughs) So, but but in all reality, um, you know, we just talked to Drew and Max had a great question about you know when you're in space, do you want to stay there? You know, we talk a lot about the support systems that race car drivers have, you know, with their spouses um, and the things that they have to go through, and that's for two to three hours at a time. What is it like? Being here and seeing your husband launch at an amazing rate out out into outer space. I mean, what what is that process like for you?
10: Um, probably too um, involved and complex um, to to really express in just a soundbite. But um, you know, just picture yourself looking at a rocket. And a countdown happening and you have, you know, your loved one on there and you don't know if it's going to be a good day or if it's going to be a bad day, but you're just, you know, for honestly, I think for myself, I, it's just pure adrenaline at that time. I was holding both our sons and each for each launch, right. They're, they're right there and we're squeezing each other tightly and, uh, you just, you're excited for them. Like it's their dream come true. Um, you're going through this absolutely together. Like, like you said, I really appreciated that. Um, I think it was Christopher, Christopher Marshall, um, for acknowledging that, that, um, it's, it's rare that any one of us does anything alone. Right, we all got to where we are um, because of some pretty incredible people in our lives. So, I just think of uh, myself as uh, team captain of Team Foistel, and uh, very, very thankful and grateful to everyone in our support system and um, and uh, everyone that got us to that point.
0: We're definitely not uh, not sound bite types, uh, dear for sure. We uh, we would rather talk real talk and and share with one another here on this little family show of ours and i i know what it is like in the limited amount of racing i have done to have a father or girlfriend feel the nerves of me going out and driving with a bare minimum of skill in a formula ford race or similar just here on a local level but i Also know what it is like, and we know if we watch broadcasts, whether it's NASCAR, IndyCar, similar, of watching spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, whatever it might be, uh, the immense pressure they feel when their loved one, that athlete, is in uh, a vehicle doing 200-plus miles an hour, knowing the risks, knowing that, as you mentioned, it could be an amazing day, but you also have to reconcile even if you don't want to and your mind is telling you not to, that you have to prepare some little segment of your mind for if it isn't a good day. Uh, It's maybe no different than someone watching a loved one going into a risky or very important surgery, right? Sitting out in the waiting room, hoping and praying a doctor not only comes back to you with a smile on their face, but with something you're looking for every little clue from 50 or 100 feet away as they come towards you. There are those very real moments that connect us in your life, in the sporting world, where in the riskier sports, there's that thing we don't want to acknowledge, but sometimes we have to uh, in order to coexist. So just full full appreciation for you, and I can only imagine what it is like uh, watching your, your best friend, husband, father of your children Go up, up, up in the air in a uh, big zooming rocket. Uh, I'd poop myself. I couldn't even handle it.
10: <laughs> Thank you. That was very eloquent until those last few words. But, <laughs> <That's me. laughs> but uh, no, that was uh, that was beautiful. And um, honestly, we have so much in common, right? All of us um, more than we ever think, and uh, we are truly in all of this together. And uh, very, very. Proud to be a part of this um, this group this evening. Thank you for including me,
3: Miss Fostel Is Max? You know, my wife Tati. She's listening to you. While she was listening to you, she said, "You know, man, that woman. She's a real badass." And uh, I can tell you that uh, uh, I I was you know really shocked to see you know, to to hear you talking about uh, the the mix between, you know, the excitement, the love and the fear. It's, uh, you know, it it made me realize what I made my family go through without really realizing it while it it was happening. So thank you. It's awesome.
10: Thanks, Max. And um, please tell your wife, she's the rock star as well. And, um, you know, I heard I heard what you said about uh, wanting to stay in the car for 24 hours if you had the chance. Um, I know that uh, that that sounds lovely, but I know also that you would miss your kids and your wife uh, if that was truly the case.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marshall. Uh... I think it's time for me to uh, to go and and clean the dishes because Tati already cooked and everything and uh, and I wanted to follow up uh, on one thing. that you you gave me a really good question before about uh, Jeff Krasnov. I didn't really want to answer it because uh, it would require quite a bit of time, you know, to to answer that. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you know, maybe next one of the next time I can just jump in and uh, and we can talk a little bit about it. But thank you for bringing it up and. Uh, if uh, someone that knew Jeff is listening, you know, I carry him with me, in my heart, every day. He's a fantastic person, and uh, I, yeah, and is everything I did uh, in my career. You know, when I took, when I sat, when I sat in that 25 MCI car, uh, has always been uh, with him in my mind.
0: Much love to you, Max. Thanks for joining in, brother. And we'll certainly it, look forward to having you here as often as you like. We're here every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific,
3: 8 Eastern. Uh, just talking nonsense with our little hashtag racing family <laughs> show. Awesome. Thank you. Sorry if I pressed some wrong buttons, you know, I, I was actually just going to gonna listen. Then I got, uh, I said, I got greedy and say, let me, let me see if I can. You something. kept hitting the overtake button, Pappas. You can admit
1: it. We know what you were doing there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, guys. Max.
1: We'll see you in Ciao. Texas. Ciao, allure. Bye. See you guys. All right, Tim. You've been patiently sitting there with your hand up like a, like a good boy. Please, sir. The floor is yours.
8: <laughs> that made it that made it sound weird. No, I just wanted to chime in while Indy was talking because uh I mean, yeah, we're we're all talking about Drew and how incredible all that is. The whole family, you guys are just all badasses. I mean yours the stuff you do with speech pathology is incredible. You have a son who is now like a test pilot, right? What what the hell? You this is the most impressive family I've ever seen. We've been. she's been overcome by modesty. I I'm right? just, makes oh, even more honestly,
10: incredible. What am I supposed to say to that, Tim? That was just so kind of you and uh and you as well. Um, you're doing a great job as a dad. And so uh, mutual love here.
6: I've I've heard many of those same things be said about Tim. Just very complimentary of his lifestyle. He's <laughs> <laughs> the best
1: this is liar why... we've ever <laughs> had on why this love, show daily. This is why I love Connor Daly. Oh, man. One day I'm going to have a, you know, a lot of people, they call them uh, coffee table books. I call it a toilet book. Um, of Connor Daly just one-liners, because he's just so good at at what he does. But um, I'm going to jump over. We're going to take a couple questions here. And actually, a young man that we've talked to, talked to recently, Marshall, or talked about recently, he's got a crew chief that looks like the Colonel, and he's finger-licking fast out of Louisville, Kentucky. Mr. Jacob Abel's here. Hashtag finger-licking fast
0: Abel, the best, worst nickname of all time.
11: Chris and I were talking we got the stickers stickers are on the way for for outside the car There, right right where the name's supposed to go but yeah thank you guys for having me on Uh, I just had a question I mean first of all I'm just my two cents on the 30 minutes of extra practice at Texas I feel like there's no way it's going to really work I mean just because you know especially what Connor was saying just with how much lower grip it is and Teams being how they are, like they're not going to risk their cars and for it to work at all, I feel like you have to go at a certain speed because for rubber to go down, I mean, you have to be going quick enough for, you know, tires to get temperature and be almost breaking traction. So if they go out there and go, you know, 120 miles an hour just on the second lane driving around, uh, it's really not going to do anything. Uh, that's just at least me, what I think. but Sure, and, and we they would
0: obviously need to be at a high enough speed for there to be enough lateral grip for those Firestone tires to be digging in and hopefully filling the little nooks and crannies of the track surface with matching rubber for those tires to, uh, to greet uh, next time around. But there's also the greater point, Connor, of who owns all of the cars that will be participating in this weekend's race? The private business owners who comprise the NTT IndyCar Series paddock. Granted, the guy who owns the series also owns three of the cars. Technically, maybe he could force his three drivers to go out, but uh, Ed Carpenter owns his own cars, has his own sponsors, has his own drivers. Unless you've got some other, some sort of I must do whatever Ed tells me clause in your contract, there's no way IndyCar can force uh 24 of the 27 cars to go out and do this so there's also that aspect which i know we've mentioned a little bit but this has to be a volunteer voluntary thing who all is going to volunteer and as as wheeler said what kind of insurance policy is going to be offered
6: well there are certain things in life that you're allowed to have an opinion on and not allowed to have an opinion on and sometimes in this sport uh we just have to be positive about everything. So uh, I'm going to continue to be positive about everything. And uh, Jacob brings up a lot of interesting points. But, uh, yeah, I mean, wh- hey, wh- I'm not the boss. I, if, if you tell me how to, to go out there and drive, guess who's going to do it? I am. So uh, I, I, I don't mind. I think there will be a lot of chatter about it uh, over the weekend. And, and, and may- definitely after the first practice session because – I mean, we're we're talking right out the gate. We're going to be wanting to run in traffic. So, you know, we're going to figure it out in, within the first 30 minutes, um, you know, whether it's a complete uh, parking lot or, you know, there's going to be start start to be some movement because honestly, like maybe with that many cars out there, people start moving up, you know, a couple feet at a time. It'll do more than we expect, but you're exactly right. Unless you're doing, you know, two laps at 216 in lane two, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough, uh, a tough deal to lay down. So there are certain things again, that we have to, uh, not necessarily speak our voices about, but I'm excited for the positivity
1: of this weekend. (laughs) So my logic on this is part, not real, kind of funny and then part serious and the not real kind of funny part is everywhere we go where these formula drift guys go, they leave so much rubber down. It's hard to kind of tell what's what underneath the surface on, the, on some of these circuits. Why can't we get some of these Formula Drip guys out there to put on a a Wednesday night under the light show or midday up under the sun show with a bunch of uh, Firestone tires, Connor? Like, just let them doesn't, just go. Doesn't Daily me. have like a 600 horsepower Subaru? You, you, you
0: could be making money off any <laughs> well, car to be laying down Firestone I, I rubber here. I, I don't even know if the Subaru runs.
6: Look, that car hasn't been registered since 2019, so it's let's not talk about that being out on the street. It's, uh, You know what, Chris? You bring up a great point. Maybe we can get something like that uh, because it's all about the show, and I'll tell you what, those are pretty cool to watch sometimes, and uh, I don't know what that rubber would do to it, but I know when you go into the last sector at Long Beach and the entire track is uh, like the darkest surface that we see all season, um, it's not as... Grippy as you would expect, but you can definitely feel a difference between that area and let's say Turn One at Long Beach.
1: Now, in in the serious part, you guys talked about the speeds and the downforce and creating the tire heat that actually helps lay down rubber at racetracks. I know last year when we were on setup day, we heard that excruciating noise, which was the NHRA tire dragger, right? So it's a trailer pulled behind a truck, and it had a bunch of Firestone tires, rear tires on it, and it spins opposite direction. Um, so it was spinning um, clockwise to try and drag that rubber onto the surface. Is it, is, it, is it the loading of the tire into the track that helps lay down the rubber? Or is it something where it's just heat-based, where we could you could fix a, a part to that that was almost like a torch, like when we clean the tires sometimes to keep a set, where you could heat the tires up enough in a close enough time frame to when it actually hits the surface that it could actually lay down some of the, the rubber the right way.
6: Uh, I mean, honestly, it's it's a great question that many scientists and scholars have studied those types of things for years. I'm sure, and there are many leatherbound books about such things. But <laughs> I, I I have no idea. I mean, honestly, because w- w- if if you're on a set of new tires, you know you feel like you have grip everywhere, and then 40 laps in, you're like, I've never had grip anywhere. So it's you know it's it's something that. Is, you know, realistically, we're still when you think about the the days of the Texas races, where I mean, one of my favorite ones to watch was Zole Hinch and Graham going side by side for the for the win. I mean, there was a ton more downforce on the cars then, you know what I mean? So it's but but then again, people get concerned with it. Again, we had Mario Andretti at the beginning of this show talking about him and the boys flipping into the woods and they'd go get each other out of their burning race cars. And, you know, now it's a very different time. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I I wish that we could do the racing of Texas that I enjoyed. And I honestly am not even sure that even if you added another thousand pounds of downforce that we could start running up there. I really don't know. Um, I
0: think think Wheeler's talking about putting blow torches in front of the rear tires to try and just melt them onto the track. So the uh, Chris Wheeler, Firestone candle wax treatment. I think that's what we're talking about here. Honestly, if I just saw Chris out there with a blowtorch, that might be a
6: great, great content in itself.
1: I'm here for it. I fly in on the charter Friday morning, Connor. If you find me a torch and you're willing to film it, I'm willing to go heat it up.
6: Let's light that sucker up.
1: I'm in. Brad, grab a second one. So, uh, Vincent, 1701, unmute yourself and you have a, it's your turn to ask a question.
0: Yeah. And I think we might be, uh, getting towards the uh, final question of the show, Vincent. So, uh, Make it a nope. good one, my friend.
1: Okay, this is for Drew or Indra. So if Drew was on the space station for three months, what indie car driver would you take with you? He must not or she would uh
6: can't drive you space crazy, but also have your back.
10: Okay, so am I able to pick who goes with Drew or do I get to go to space with these? Hundred
0: percent. Quote, whatever you want.
10: Okay, so um, if you go to Drew's uh, twi- uh, Twitter account and you look at his, uh, ironically, if you look at his last tweet, it'll tell you everything, but um, I think I'd take Hinchy and Mario. And Connor. and Connor Daly, you might get a chance to go to the space station one day.
6: Sign me up. I've
0: been ready for years. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even gonna have to stuff you like stowaway style in some luggage. You might get a proper invite. I absolutely love that, Mister Wheeler. Why don't uh, Why don't you take us home? In the end of our shows, I must admit, I love. Uh, I've come to love them quite a bit because you do your Jack Handy impression and leave us with some
1: things to think about in our uh, in our little head movies. Well, thank you, Marshall. And first off, we want to thank everybody here for joining us this evening. Obviously, one of the greatest of all time to do it, Mr. Murray. Andretti, stopped stop by Varsha, some of the smoothest tunes you'll ever hear in motorsports. Um, of course, Hobbs, how can you not love, love that guy? He, he's a genius. Connor, it's always a blessing to have you, whether it's on Call of Duty or right here on the Hashtag Racing Family. Um, tonight's closing thoughts are going to come actually a little bit from the Fusil family. And it, it's just a reminder to everybody out there. To, to look around and you, you don't always know what the people around you are dealing with in life. So instead of being so quick to judge, point out, call out and talk about, let's take a step back because you never know when the woman that you're honking at, cause she doesn't have her turn signal on or because she's trying to do this or the guy who just jarted in front of you and you're honking your horn at, you don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know if their spouse just took off on a spaceship. You, you truly don't. And so when you think about that you think about that other people outside of those in your circle are sometimes dealing with the same emotions, feelings, and sensations that you are just in a different way. Think about that the next time before you decide to do something mean to somebody or think something ill of somebody because you just don't. Look around to the ones you love. Tell them you love them. Look around to the ones you don't. And maybe, maybe tell them you do anyway just to try and make their day a little bit better. That's my closing thought. Um, I'm super excited to head to Texas. Marshall Pruitt, it's always been a pleasure. Everybody, I'm Chris Wheeler. Thank you for joining our Hashtag Racing family. want to thank one more time our great partners, Cooper Tires, Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. You'll find us here every Monday, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern.